Hello and welcome to Fibber McGee and Molly from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. McGee, what is that book you've had your nose in all evening? It's Atlas, Molly. I always like to keep brushed up on where things are. Is that the old one you had in high school that still shows Oklahoma as Indian Territory? No, <laughs> this is the one I bought at the door from that clean-cut young fellow who was working his way through something. You know, Molly, leaping through an atlas makes a fellow wonder how different his life might have turned out if he'd lived someplace else. Well, if you'd have been born in the Amazon jungle, you'd probably be more proficient with a blowgun. No, that's, that's not what I mean. I mean, if I'd have gotten out of this little town when I was still a young fellow, I bet I'd have really made my mark in the world. Oh, I don't know, Jerry. I've always liked Wistful Vista. It's nice and quiet. Yeah, that's the trouble. It's too dad-rated quiet for a go-getter like me. I should have gone to some part of the country that was really booming, like Texas. Well, I bet I'd be a big oil tycoon by now if I'd have gone to Texas a few years ago. Yes, sir, a big oil tycoon. Well, what happened at the office today, Tex? Anything of importance? No, not much. It's always trying to sell me the state of Nebraska, but I don't know. I already got South Dakota. It only brings me in a couple of billion a year. I heard on the radio where they hit a big gusher today in West Texas. Was that one of your wells, Tex? If it's in West Texas, it's mine, Texana. I own the whole thing. Gee whiz, this new carpet's getting really seedy looking, you know what? I wonder if Herman would wear any better. I really prefer the mink, Tex. It goes better with our chinchilla drapes. Yeah, I got Herman seat covers in the car and they wear like iron. Incidentally, Tex, wasn't that a different car you drove home in this evening? Yeah, bought it this afternoon. I decided I need a blue one to match my tie. What happened to that nice yellow limousine you bought last week? Oh, sold that to a junk dealer. The windshield got dirty. Heavenly day. With all the new cars you buy, it'll be cheaper for you to own an auto factory. Come to think of it, seem to remember I do own one. Remind me to check on that in the morning. Tex, you've got so many holdings, you can't keep track of them anymore, and the house is just filled with money. You can't even move around upstairs. Well, I don't know where else to put it, Texana. I filled up the bank, and they won't take any more. Maybe you can sell some of it as old waste paper. Sell money as old waste paper? That doesn't seem very practical. Well, you got to get rid of it some way. It's against the law to burn it. I guess this is just one of the problems you got to cope with when you're a big tycoon like me. You know, Texana, sometimes I wished I was just a billionaire again. Ah, them was the good old days. And so that's what you think life would have been like if you'd have moved to Texas, is it, McGee? McGee, what are you rooting around under the couch for? That's a dead red luck. A penny fell out of my pocket and rolled under here someplace. I gotta find it. Money don't grow in trees, you know. McGee, you get more absorbed reading an atlas than most people can with a good novel. Well, I like to dream about faraway exotic places that I've never been to, Molly. Like South Bend. You know, it's funny how a fellow could live in Peoria for years and never get to South Bend. I wonder what strange customs are practiced there in the native bazaars. My cousin Gerhardt used to live there. Oh? He worked in a garbage can factory. I wish I'd have traveled more when I was young, Molly. If I'd have settled someplace besides Whistle Vista, I bet I'd be rich and famous by now. Yeah, supposing I'd gone to New York 30, 40 years ago. I'd probably be one of them big advertising agency men today. Gee, I can almost see myself now. Sitting at a big desk in a swanky office. 
Did you buzz for me, Mr. McGee? Sis, I got so many buzzers on my desk, I'm not sure who I buzzed for. I guess it was you. You're new here, aren't you? No, sir, I've worked here nine years. But you never buzzed me before. Well, you got to be around a while before you get a buzz out of me. Get your pad and paper ready. I'm going to start thinking off the top of my head about the Gumbel Birdbath Water account. They're buying 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday on all three television networks, aren't they? Yes, yes. It's a $6 billion account. Sold at lunch yesterday. Now I've got to think up a singing commercial for them. You know, something with smalls. Oh, you're a genius at that, Mr. McGee. People are still talking about the commercial you did for Mother Muldoon's instant sow belly. It changed the eating habits of the nation. Wait a minute. I got it. Give me Gumbel's bird bath water, bird bath water, bird bath water. Oh, give me Gumbel's bird bath water. It's strictly for the birds. Bravo, Mr. McGee. You don't think it's too hokey, do you? Not at all, sir. It captures the mood. Well, it's just an idea. I'll have to mother in it for a while. Why don't you drop it down the well and see how big a splash it'll make? <laughs> I think I'll throw it in the middle of the floor and take some time to walk around it. Well, I'm sure the people at Gumbel's will like it. It comes right out of left field and throws the viewer out at home. I've still got to get a new motto for that client. Their motto now is highest in quality, lowest in price. Obviously, that's not going to sell birdbath water. No, sir. It doesn't stay with you. It's not catchy. How about America bathes in Gumbel's birdbath water? Pretty hokey, don't you think? Yeah, I guess it is. Maybe better things for better living through Gumbel's birdbath water. How about that? It doesn't make me tingle. How about you? A little. Not much. Maybe just something simple with dignity would be better. Something like... Among five New York veterinarians who know, it's Gumbel's two-to-one. How could it be two-to-one among five veterinarians? It doesn't come out even. Those little details, I'll let the copywriters figure out. But the basic idea is sound. Now send out for a cheese sandwich and a thermos of martinis, will you? I'm starved. Well, I don't know whether you would have made an advertising executive or not, McGee. You don't have the Ivy League look. Your wardrobe leans more toward the three I leagues. Believe me, Molly, I would have made a great advertising man. All you got to know how to do is say nothing in a lot of different ways, and I've been doing that for years. You know, Molly, leaping through an atlas like this sure makes a fellow stop and wonder. There's just thousands and thousands of towns in the world. My life sure would have been different if I'd settled down someplace besides Wistful Vista. I don't think we could have been happier any place, McGee. Oh, I suppose not, but with my talent, I sure could have been a lot more successful in my day. Just imagine the didos I could have did if I'd have gone to Hollywood a few years back, for instance. Well, I bet I'd be a big movie producer by now. I'd have cut quite a figure, too, in my beret and camel's hair coat. I can almost see me now. Quiet on the set, everyone. Quiet on the set. Mr. McGee is here. That dreaded it is quiet on the set, except for you. Now, we're shooting a big scene here with our new child star. Where is the kid, anyway? Hi, mister. Oh, there you are, little girl. I didn't hear you come sneaking through the scaffolding of our snappy soundstage. Oh, I get I said I didn't hear you come in. Now, as you know, sis, we're making a musical comedy out of the three bears here. I suppose you've looked over the script. I sure have, I betcha. What do you think of it? I don't know, mister. I can't read. Hmm. Well, it's a pretty stupendous story, sis. In fact, it's pretty close to being Titanic. I wrote it myself. Gosh, I betcha. Now, in the opening scene, Goldilocks is lost in the big dark forest. She's plenty scared, and tears are streaming down her little face. You got that? Got what? Have you got the picture? I thought the picture hadn't been made yet. I'd rather the picture hasn't been made yet. Then I haven't got her, I betcha. <sighs> Look, sis, let me start over. 
There's these three bears. We've got Basil Bathbone for the Papa Bear, Zsa Zsa Gabor for the Mama Bear, and Mickey Rooney for the Baby Bear. Plus, of course, a star-studded cast of thousands. Gee. I thought you'd be impressed. Now, these three bears have been out in the forest, and they come sashaying home and find that somebody's ate their porridge. Who do you suppose did it, sis? I guess the butler did it. The butler always does it, I betcha. No, the butler didn't do it. Goldilocks did it. Did what? Ate the porridge. Hmm? Ate the porridge. Goldilocks did it. Sure. Well, at least you got that part of it down, Pat. But how can I shoot the scene if you haven't learned the script? What kind of a movie star are you, anyhow? I'm not a movie star at all, I betcha. I'm the studio janitor's little girl. Yeah, Molly, I would have made a great movie producer if I'd just gone to Hollywood when I was younger. Of course, it wouldn't have been easy. You've got to be able to blow your own horn and make yourself sound a lot more important than you really are and exaggerate and everything. And that's just not my nature. But I guess I could have learned the technique. Heavenly days, McGee. You've had your nose buried in that atlas all evening. How could a bunch of maps be that interesting? No, I just look at one of these maps and then let myself go on flights of fancy, Molly. I just can't help thinking how different my life would have been if I'd lived in the North Woods or along the New England coast or some such place like that there. Yeah. I suppose that where you live does have a lot to do with the kind of life you lead. I figure an athletic outdoors man like me never should have settled in Whistle Vista anyhow. Wyoming. That's where I should have gone. I'd have made the greatest Western Marshal since Wilmont Earp. I can see me now, bronzed and sitting tall in the saddle. I wish you'd have never taken the Marshal's job, Slim, especially with Dirty Hogan back in town. Oh, there ain't no reason to race your motor, Clementine. Hogan won't be starting no trouble in Rattlesnake Butte as long as I'm here. I can outride him, outdraw him, and outsmart him. I'm also a bigger coward than he is. The girls in the sewing circle say that Hogan's come to town to get married. Well, he's going to rope and brand himself a little heifer, is he? No, he's going to get married. Dad, rather, I know he's going to get married. That roping and branding business is just a colorful western expression I was throwing around. You are colorful, Slim. I can't deny that. You bet your life I am, Clementine. I'm the most colorful marshal since Marshall Field. Somebody's at the door. Should I get it? No, I'll get it. I'm expecting somebody. Did you get him? Right between the eyes. Who was it? The mailman. Slim, that's the third mailman you shot this week. Mm. The postmaster told me that Blue Cross won't even write a policy on the men assigned to this route anymore. Well, Dad ratted it some dark blue uniforms they wear. They dress just like bad guys. So naturally, I shoot first and take a good look later. I suppose I should be proud of you, Slim. It takes a brave man to shoot a postman. You're darn right it does. And this one was carrying an umbrella. They can hurt you pretty bad with one of them things. And to think you're shopping without blinking an eye. You're my hero, Slim. Yes, Sir Molly, a man like me that knows no fear could have made quite a mark for himself in the Old West. Well, there aren't any bad guys to chase around here, dearie. But the Toops' dog is digging in our rose bushes again. Oh? That should give you something worthwhile to chase. Not on your life, kiddo. I'm not going out in the yard while that dog's there. But it's only a Pekingese. It's got sharp teeth. Here's the broom. You go chase it. I'm going upstairs and practice my fearlessness up there. Yeah. 
You know, Molly, leaping through an atlas like this sure brings back a lot of old memories. You take these towns in Wisconsin, Sheboygan, Oshkosh, Oconomowoc, and Green Bay. You know, me and my old pal Fred Nittany from Starved Rock, Illinois. We went all them places together way back in 1920, not 21. In Vaudeville? No, we went in Fred's Upmobile. It was a big touring car and we had all our luggage strapped on the back. We hit Prairie to Shane up here and then Warsaw and Eau Claire. You know, Molly, I often wonder what my life would have been like if I'd have settled down in one of them towns instead of coming to Whistle Vista. Oh, I don't know. I think people are pretty much the same wherever you go, dearie. No, I, I disagree, Molly. I had an offer in 1916 to go to Chicago and take a job. And believe me, things would have been a lot different if I'd have done it. I suppose so. Yep. The Windy City would have been a lot more windy with you there, for one thing. Well, I was thinking about the gangsters they had up there during Prohibition. I might well have made millions as the lord of the Chicago underworld. Gee, I can see me now. In my pearl gray Hamburg and my camel's hair coat. Here's the protection money from the children's lemonade stands on the north side, Snake. It comes to 83 cents. Dad, ratted bubbles, can't we shake them kids down for any more than that? Maybe if we rucked a couple of them up or throw a bomb into one of their stands. Snake, there just isn't any big money in lemonade. In fact, I'm surprised that the lord of the underworld like you would even bother with this racket. Well, lemonade stands are seasonal, Bubbles. I've got to have something to take up the slack when I stop shaking down kids who shovel off snow in the wintertime. Well, you didn't make any money off that snow shoveling operation either, Snake. Why don't you get into some of the big-time rackets like liquor or hot cars? That's where the big money is. Oh, I couldn't do anything like that, Bubbles. I always promised my mother I'd be clean and upright. Well, there's nothing very clean and upright about shaking down small children. Sure there is. They don't shoot back. By the way, Bubbles, did you get that gravy stain off my bulletproof vest? Yes. It's in the hall closet. Good. I'm going to be needing that. I got a big job coming up. Really, Snake? What's the caper? Bubbles, I'm going right up to the headquarters of the Capone gang. I hear they keep a quarter of a million in cash lying around there. I'll catch them off guard, crack the safe, and pick up the whole swag. If any of them rats give me any trouble, they'll find themselves in the bottom of the Calumet River wearing cement overcoats. Oh, Snake, what a daring plot. When are you leaving? Right away, kiddo. I gotta catch the 928 streetcar. Or I'll have to wait until almost 10 o'clock. Heavenly days, Snake. You mean you're not gonna take the getaway car on a big job like this? Bubbles, you know I haven't got any driver's license. Think what they'd do to me if I got caught. Well, I don't know, McGee. I somehow think you're too kind-hearted to be a gangster. Yeah, maybe you're right, Molly. Besides, now that I think of it, most of those big-time mobsters either got shot or went to jail. And either of those things puts quite a blemish on your record as a community leader. 